Salam and welcome to our podcast, Muslims on Fire. Stories from ordinary Muslims doing extraordinary things. With your host, Maruf. Dear listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Hey, assalamu alaikum. This is Maruf, and I'm your host. Today, uh, I have a special guest, and, and, and this brother is a student of knowledge. He is, he is uh, from South Africa. Without further ado, I will give the mic to him, present him. Hey, assalamu alaikum, brother Ismail. How are you today? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm quite well. And yourself, brother Ma'roof? Alhamdulillah. That's our first time, I guess, talking uh, on the phone. We had chatted uh, quite a bit on the chat, but we never, you know, had this pleasure of talking to each other, I guess. Alhamdulillah. So can you tell us, can you tell us, um, can you tell us, uh, please, uh, a little bit about yourself, you know, what you what you do, who you are, and what you do. Then we go back in and go deeper, inshallah, to your childhood. Sure, inshallah, alhamdulillah. So I'm a person who does, uh, alhamdulillah, many different things. Uh, so I think primarily I'm I'm known as a, st- a graduate in Islamic studies. Uh, to put that in context, at the age of 13, I left school to pursue full-time Islamic studies, and I completed my schooling from home at the same time. So by the age of 20, I graduated from the traditional Alim program. And uh, about seven years later, I completed a bachelor's degree in Islamic studies as well. So I've done both the traditional and the modern forms of Islamic studies. Uh, beyond that, alhamdulillah, uh, I think what I, I prefer to be known as <clears throat> in terms of the work I do is writing. Okay. So I'm a writer. Alhamdulillah, I've written over a dozen books of my own. Uh, besides that, I'm also a freelance writer. So I write other people's books and content for them as well. Um, I've done a lot of other things. I homeschool my kids. I, I deliver public lectures. I, I teach in the community and online. I'm the faculty manager at the Islamic Online University. Uh, so I'm a person who has my hands in many different <laughs> things. I'm Mashallah. the founder of Islamic Self-Help, where I focus on personal development, helping Muslims live a life of ihsan, of being the best versions of ourselves through time management and self-confidence courses and books. So yeah, I'm a person who likes to be busy. Uh, a lot of people tell me I need to focus on one thing and be known for one thing, uh, but that's not who I am. I'm a guy who likes to do many things. Sure. I, I enjoy many different things. And so I've got my hands in all of them. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, I mean, as, as I was mentioning, I think your case is in a very, very unique case, you know, uh, in terms of what you do, mm-hmm. because you come from the line of, as you said, in the, from the early age, uh, you mentioned, uh, I think you said at the age of 13, you are focusing on Islamic studies. MashaAllah, you have finished your bachelor's degrees and all those degrees. And now 
as I remember, we'll come to that in a bit, that you are doing in a transitioning into, as you said, entrepreneurship, which is quite mm -hmm. interesting. We'll come to that. Uh, that's I'm really looking forward to hear. But before that, just let's back up a little bit and tell us sure. a little bit where you were born, about your family, about your upbringing. I mean, not that many people, to be honest, that at the age of 13, you want to decide, mm -hmm. I want to go focus on Islamic studies, you know? So tell us about it. Okay. So, alhamdulillah, I come from a fairly... Uh, practicing Muslim family. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I have to make shukr for that. <laughs> when I go for family gatherings, look around me, most of the women are in hijab, people are praying, people, even those who aren't very practicing, still have some level of of, of, of uh, Islamic knowledge or, you know, that relationship with their religion. So Alhamdulillah, I come from a moderately practicing family. I wouldn't say pious, but Alhamdulillah, uh, middle part. Uh, also, I come from a very uh, wealthy family. You know, wealthy really, but uh, upper middle class. Alhamdulillah. Uh, Allah has blessed my family with, with money. Yeah. And uh, they're primarily entrepreneurs, businessmen. I <laughs> my family, I the I generation before me, generation before that, are all businessmen. Uh, so that's kind of like in my genes. Uh, there actually hasn't been any. I, yeah, yeah, there actually hasn't been any Islamic uh, studies graduate in the history of my family before me. It's just all been business. I see. So I kind of broke the mold like that. I see. Yeah. You were born in South Africa. Tell us uh, what city you're from and tell us a little bit more about it. Sure. So I'm born in Durban, South Africa. And uh, if people want to know of my ethnic origin, uh, we are Indian family. So okay. basically, uh, Indians migrated to South Africa over 100 years ago. Uh, so my family was from that batch. So we've been here for so long, we consider ourselves South Africans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is our culture, alhamdulillah, and our home. Uh, we've been here for six generations now. And so I was born in Durban, South Africa, into an upper middle class family uh, of, of businessmen. Uh, my father, uh, unfortunately, passed away when I was eight years old. He was murdered by uh, criminals. You know, South Africa has a high crime rate, oh, so he was murdered yeah, by robbers. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I grew up without a father. My mom, alhamdulillah, is a very religious woman. And at the age of 13, she wanted me to pursue full-time Islamic studies. Mm -hmm. So I started off initially doing it for my mom. Okay, but, okay. Uh, I once I've, well, I have to be honest. You want to make that. me happy. Yeah. Once I've got, yeah. <laughs> so once I've got the, the, that, that uh, love of Islamic studies in my heart, I'll say right until today, I'm 33 now, so it's been 20 years. I read Islamic books and listen to Islamic lectures every single day. That I've never stopped learning. You know, once that love of it entered my heart, it's been a full-time thing for me. I just absolutely love Islamic knowledge. And may love Allah, everything may Allah increase you and increase us in the knowledge that will benefit us. Amen. Amen. Childhood Questions are sponsored by Ali Huda. Ali Huda is a video-on-demand streaming platform for Muslim children where they can watch cartoons and shows while learning about Islam the fun way. If you are a Muslim parent, this will be one of your best investments. Visit www.alihuda.com for a 7-day free trial. Now back to the show. I see. I see. Okay. I mean, um, so uh, you also mentioned that later you finished, you did that where you started, right? Now we understand you come to an Islamic mm -hmm. family, practicing family. That's why that ignited your initial interest in Islamic studies. So you also mentioned you finished that and you also went, uh, as I remember, you said also Islamic online university, right? And you, or what, what were you studying yes, at the next stages of your Islamic studies or what you were studying as well? Islam is, you know, it's, yeah, it's so basic. huge, right? You have to, is it, was it thick? Was it? Yeah. What is was it the interpretation of Quran? What is it, it? it was a general degree focusing on everything. Okay. So uh so basically uh you see 
what I've done is very similar, but uh, from different perspectives. So I did first the traditional alim course, and then I did a bachelor's in Islamic studies. Okay. Now, both of these cover the same subjects, Arabic, fiqh, uh, theology, history, all of it's the same subjects, but it's from different perspectives. So in the alim program, I'm studying under traditional scholars who may not be familiar with modern culture or technology. And so we're studying very ancient books and we're studying these subjects from that perspective. So it's a physical school, and then right? When I, it's a physical school. You yeah, it's a physical school that I was, I, was, I was in there for seven years. Oh. Then the bachelor's degree, which I did online, uh, that is from a more modern perspective. So that's like we're studying online, we're using contemporary technology, we're looking at modern culture, we're comparing secular concepts to Islamic concepts, looking at the recent history of the modern Muslim world. So it's the same subjects, but from a different perspective. So what I wanted, I wanted both. I wanted the traditional learning and the, the modern perspective. And I wanted to kind of like merge the two, you know, in my own understanding of Islam. I see. Where I want the traditional knowledge, but I also want to be to be relatable to the modern world. You I know? see. Because sometimes when we study the traditional way, we end up being unrelatable to the yeah. youth and things like that. Which so is quite unfortunate. I basically restarted my studies from a different from a different perspective. I see. I mean, tell me about this. Like, what's going to be very interesting is that I think so. You were studying this, and you, this is a one. This is one like a direction, right? But but as we know, mm-hmm. you are into many different places. So then. Um, you said about five years ago, was it? You, you kind of like started transitioning into entrepreneurship, like you said, freelance writer, yes. etc. So, I mean, what happened just there? Which is like quite, um, I mean, usually you don't see that, do you? Like, I don't see that at least though. For example, if someone studying mm-hmm. to be ulama and just focus on that, but in your case, it was uh, it was a kind of bit pivot, right? A bit uh, different direction. What caused that? Can you tell us more about that experience? Okay, there were actually many different factors that caused that. Uh, it basically started when when I started working for the Islamic Online University. They promoted me to faculty manager, mm-hmm. and as an Islamic studies graduate, I wasn't uh, I wasn't just hadn't studied management. So I began to read books on the topic, and I began to read books on personal development, self help, business management, leadership, and I began to develop a love for that field, just like I had a love for Islamic studies, mm-hmm. and I began to get really good at that, just as I was really good at Islamic studies, and so. Somewhere around in 2014, I got the idea of merging the two fields. And that's when my idea of IslamicSelfHelp.com was born. Okay. And my books on time management and self-confidence from an Islamic perspective were born. And so just like since the age of 13, I haven't stopped studying Islamic studies. I would say since the age of 25, I haven't stopped studying business and personal development and leadership and all of these fields. So uh, it's kind of what happened was in order to practically prepare for a job I had to do. I started reading books in this field and I ended up falling in love with the field. And there's also a a religious element to it, which is when I was studying the biographies of the early scholars, the one that stands out to me is Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah. So Imam Abu Hanifa was a businessman. And because he had a business where he sold clothing Mm -hmm. and he had a a partner to manage the business for him, he didn't have to rely on the government for money. He didn't have to charge for his classes. Mm -hmm. He could do all of his Islamic work for free uh, while being able to support himself, his family, and even his students through the earnings of his business. And I fell in love with that model, that model of of Dawah, where why can't we as Islamic students of knowledge be independent businessmen and women, you know, be independent entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to rely on other people for money. 
uh, we uh, people won't like force us to give this opinion or that opinion because they're paying our salaries. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we can become independent like Abu Hanifa was. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to model his lifestyle. I call it the Abu Hanifa model of, of Dawah, <laughs> where I want to be like Abu Hanifa in that I have a business. Mm-hmm. The business is providing for my family. I can now do my Islamic work for free without having to worry about money or compromising my integrity or anything like that. Absolutely. That really is what caused me to, to move into this direction. I see. Do you struggle with deen and dunya balance in your life? Meet Salam.app, a Muslim social network where your ego, nafs, is not in the center. It is a place to feed your soul with daily inspiration, to make new Muslim friends, and connect with Ummah. Visit www.salam.app and download free for your iPhone or Android. Very interesting. Well, I mean, I um, I haven't known about this Abu Hanifa. That's very, quite interesting. I mean, I, I I've heard about a lot of the things. His his extremely kind of seven uh, is an extremely smart decision making. You know, because I think as you know, Central mm-hmm. Asia that we follow Abu Hanifa's madhab. So with that we know. But I, I mean, yes. I, I really need to study on this. It's very quite interesting. I didn't know that. That's quite new for me. Alhamdulillah. Thank you for sharing this. Uh, so I mean. <laughs> Here's the th- here's the thing though. You see, recently I was reading this, and I think I think I keep seeing this a lot. You see, among Muslims, we have this perception, like, like uh, you know, I mean, I think it's all humanity, not only Muslims. Like we try to put things or people into boxes, right? And anyone, mm-hmm. like let's say, shuh, that's called shuh, right? Right? We want to put them in a special box. Yes. And we look at them in a special lens. For example, if imagine if you is coming and just driving in, uh, like, say, Ferrari, right? And just getting out mm-hmm. of it, right? I mean, many people say, whoa, what is this? You know, what? I mean, even though, if, even though this you could be, as you said, inshallah, may Allah increase your wealth and it will benefit you. Maybe one day, for example, imagine, let's have so much wealth, for example, right? You can earn halal. You don't have to do anything mm-hmm. wrong. But imagine if, if the, the, the moment... Uh, it goes to a little bit kind of like like luxury side, right? People begin to judge and do things that and that. Do, do, do you follow me? What I'm trying to say? Did it ever happen to you? Oh like... yes, I experienced this all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this, this, is <laughs> this is my life. This is my life. So I get this like at least once a week. I get emails from okay. people saying, "Astaghfirullah, you are Islamic student of knowledge, <laughs> and you are charging for your books, and you are charging for your online courses. You're selling Islam. You should be doing all of this for free." <laughs> And I'm like, listen, brother, if you can pay my bills and pay my rent and take care of my family, I will do all of this for you. And, and silence. But I've got and a family silence. to take care of. And silence. Then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, people feel entitled and I don't I don't understand. it. But it's not only now. This has been a mentality throughout the ages. I mean, I'm thinking about the first generation of Muslims. Mm. When Usman, radiallahu anhu, was the Khalifa. Yeah. Right? He was a millionaire from his business. Yes. But why did people turn against him? You know, the Muslims rebelled against him and they killed him. And one of the points they raised against him is they saying he's so rich, he should wow. be poor like Abu Bakr and Umar. That was the actual point they made against Usman, wow. which caused the rebellion and caused them to kill their own Muslim leader because they couldn't reconcile the idea that a pious leader could be wealthy. Uh-huh. But in reality, Usman was a millionaire who was one of the most pious men to ever live. You know, 
So, you know, I, I many people the found well, those right? have the idea. I, I mean, there was a hadith mm -hmm. as well, like one time Prophet asks for, for a, okay, so, so I ask for a donation, who comes and gives, gives, and he makes a dua. I remember that. I remember it. So even though he yes, was, yes, was yes. Yeah, right, as you also remember. So even In though fact, the was, Prophet told him that today you have purchased Jannah. Yes, you know? exactly. That's what his words to him. Exactly, exactly. You know? So people have this strange mentality. That if you are going to be religious, if you're going to be pious, if you're going to be doing Islamic work, you have to be poor. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be living this simple lifestyle. And like when people see me, I live in a alhamdulillah, a good neighborhood. I have a nice, beautiful home. I have a, a good car. I, I love I go to all the fancy restaurants. I love a good life. Mm -hmm. And when people see that and they find it hard to reconcile that with the fact <laughs> that I do Islamic work. Alhamdulillah, Allah has blessed me yes. and I enjoy those blessings. And Alhamdulillah, I make sugar for it every day. You're doing nothing wrong. You're just selling your money. Halal. Yes, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And, 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 yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, what would you what would you say? Like, how how can we address this? Like, I mean, moving forward, like, should we talk more openly about this? Or what, what should we do, do you think? I think, to be honest, the reason why we do this stuff, I guess, as Umar, we have to understand that uh, I mean, in your case, I think it's very difficult because you are, as I said, the students of knowledge and trying to do this. I, I know because we have a couple of startups. We, we hear this every day as well. Like, but I mean, from your as a, as a student of knowledge, what's your advice would be? What have you learned from 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 your like journeys to the to this books and what can we do? What can we do to to First of all, like to our, I think the end of the day, what I'm trying to ask you is that, is there a way we can change the attitude to Ummah that towards the money? I mean, what I'm saying is, of course, the money. I mean, what what we do is, yes, I, I get what you're saying. What, yeah. what, what, what we look at mm -hmm. them, when we see money and wealth, we see evil, right? And the, the, the reality is, mm -hmm. as you know, and and and, uh, and we know that the money or wealth in itself is not evil or good, right? It's mm -hmm. about whose hands in it and how they use it. As long as it doesn't come into your heart, our hearts, but if you use it into good, it is good, isn't it? Like if it's something bad, it is bad. But but somehow, some way, the people keep seeing that this way. So what's what's your insight about this question? I guess. Sure. So this is actually something I spent a long time pondering over and researching, and I've come to a conclusion on this and every other issue mm -hmm. regarding culture. My conclusion is that change to people's ideas and culture has to come gradually mm -hmm. and naturally. Mm -hmm. You can't force it. No, of course not. So I believe in leading by example, right? So for example, let me give you a separate issue, which I'm trying to change the culture of without being confrontational. I live in a community where people think that religious Muslims must just like they're from India. I don't know if, you, if you've seen that in some cultures. No, no. You know, where they, if they see like a religious Muslim, like a scholar or a sheikh, they expect him to wear like, like a soap oh, or a yeah, kurta yeah, 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 and a special yeah, yeah, yeah. type of that hat. Happens, yeah. yes, yes. So I'm literally the only Islamic scholar in my community who walks around in jeans and t-shirt and shirt and pants. <laughs> I see. Purposely. I, see. I don't tell people anything. I don't fight with people about it. I just live my life. And my idea is people will get used to it. Hmm. And once people get used to it, it won't be an issue anymore because the culture will change naturally and gradually it's the same thing with this I see. right when we first started online businesses when we first started the idea of charging for online courses people were up in arms people were like everything should be free everything should be you know given to us but as the years go by more and more people are buying more and more mm. people are paying for it. more and more people are expecting there to be a price mm -hmm. within 10 years this will be the norm Inshallah. so we don't need to fight about it we don't need to uh, get angry about it we just need to be ourselves live our lives go through our struggle 
and then inshallah the next generation will have it easier inshallah. because we would have changed the culture mm-hmm. by just being good examples of it you know I see. That's very, very. That's, that's really very, how I like to do things. I really like the, your example. So you're just saying, lead by example, have have sabr, right? Inshallah, it will it will be better. Yeah, it will definitely be done because what's happening also is all of this is new. Mm. The idea that you have ebooks or online courses or you know these all these things that you do online where you where uh, it's the whole world of online is new. Mm. Let's put it that way. This hasn't existed 20 years ago. I see. So we're still figuring it out. I see. And some people are coming in with misconceptions. Some people are coming in with wrong ideas. Some people are coming with wrong beliefs. Mm. And so all of this is going to clash. But as the culture forms over the next 10 years, inshallah, it will form in a direction that's suitable to what we are doing because we are the ones leading the way. Mm. You know, we are showing people how to be successful online. I mean, we don't have a generation before us who are successful in online business. Yes. We're the first people to be doing this. Absolutely. Right. right. So inshallah, right. if we are successful, it will become a norm. And the next generation won't have to deal with this hate mail and these angry comments and all of that. Inshallah. inshallah. I see. So inshallah, yeah. Inshallah, may, may Allah make it happen. Uh, so, I mean, I, 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 you know, we have friends, I guess, on Facebook. So I recently saw that you are saying, Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm in my half mark that uh, to be self-sufficient from the this endeavors I'm making. It's been five years, right? Is 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 it correct? Yeah. Like like your halfway mark, what you really want, where you really want to be. I guess this is the minimum. How much you would like to earn, generate from your efforts? Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So about five years ago, I said something which everybody thought was absolutely crazy and stupid. Mm. I said that I want to be a full-time writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People literally laughed about it. Mm-hmm. They're like, you can't make money from writing. That is silly. Just stick to your day job. Nobody makes money of writing. Mm-hmm. And I worked out that I need to earn a certain amount of money every month from writing mm-hmm. to do it full-time. Mm-hmm. And I first started publishing ebooks, publishing paperback books on Amazon, starting online courses based on my ebooks mm-hmm. and eventually I started doing freelance writing. Mm-hmm. The combined income from all of that put together is just over the halfway mark of what I need on a monthly basis to do this full time. So mm-hmm. if it continues to grow, inshallah within the next five years inshallah. I can become a full time You know that's and I make dua for this every day and it's something that I'm working towards. May Allah may Allah make it happen. That's I I, I that's why what's what I really respect about you is that as I said, you come from this, uh, you know, um, the, 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 what's called Islamic studies and you are doing the transition, but even you're doing that, you actually looked at the long term, not like some entrepreneurs these days, <laughs> they want to do a quick buck, you know, and, and jump on it and make big, big claims and doing all this stuff. But instead what you did, like you, you took the hard work, you said, you know what, this is inshallah what's what I'm going to do. And, and it's okay. You know, it may take me one year. Because because the, the hard work takes time, but eventually, eventually, inshallah, it, it, does, it, it does. It does, and it, a lot of people don't know this. Yeah. Yeah. You see, we live in a generation that wants instant gratification. Exactly. That's our biggest problem. We want everything today. We want everything now. And in reality, good things take time. Absolutely. And so you have to be committed to the long haul if you want to make something work, especially if it's important to you. Now, me as an individual, I love two things. I love writing and I love teaching. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to do these things on my own terms mm-hmm. without having to worry about money. Mm-hmm. To do that, I need to reach a certain level of income. Mm-hmm. So Allah knows my intention. He knows what I want to do with my life. He knows what I plan to do once I reach that level. Mm-hmm. And I have confidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to help me to get there if it is good for me. So mm-hmm. I have committed to a what 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 is what I call it right now is a long-term transition period. Yes. Like right now, I'm working a job 
plus I'm doing freelance writing, plus I'm working on my books, plus I'm working on my online courses. Add to that, I'm homeschooling my children and I'm doing my free dawah activities. I'm doing all of this at the same time with the hope that inshallah, within the near future, one of my books does well, one of my courses does well. Something does well to allow me to reach the next level where I can transition full-time into being who I want to be and doing with my life what I want to do, inshallah. And so this is something I make dua for every day. I work on it every day. And I don't give up hope because I really know it's something that's not just beneficial for me, mm. but it's beneficial for the entire ummah, inshallah. If I can write full-time, I can produce books, inshallah, that will benefit the mm. entire ummah long after I'm dead. That's really my goal. Is not just inshallah. for my life. My goal is, inshallah, you know, until the day of Qiyamah, my books must benefit people. I, I don't really think about it in terms of money. I'm thinking about it in terms of benefiting the Ummah. Benefiting really the leg- legacy as well. It, right? You need money to do that. Absolutely. Yes, you need to. You need money to Absolutely. do that. And so that's why I have to be realistic and have to think long term. It's not easy, especially writing. Mm-hmm. Because we live in a generation where, you know, let's face it, our generation, a lot of people don't read. Mm. And those who do read, some of them want the books for free. Some of them are pirating your books. Mm. Some of them don't care about the author and whether he's making money. So it's a struggle. It's very hard. I lose a lot of money to piracy. I lose a lot, lose a lot of money to people who really don't care about the author. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're demanding free books or they're lying about things. And I just make uh, make uh, sabr with that. I make shukr what I do earn. I do realize one thing, whatever Allah has written for you, you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. So even if someone's pirated your books that wasn't meant for you, mm-hmm. may Allah forgive them. May Allah guide them to start doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yes. But the struggle is real. Being an author in this day and age, it's not easy. That's why people choose the easier route. The easier route today is to be a YouTube star. Right? If you yeah. want to get rich overnight and if you want fame, you go for YouTube. Mm. Now, I don't want fame. I don't want to get rich overnight. I want to do something which I believe is going to benefit people long term. There's a lot more benefit in reading a 300-page book on a topic than watching a 10-minute video on that same yes. topic. So i rather do what I believe is more beneficial, which is writing the books. It's harder. It's much. Uh, it's a much bigger chance I'm taking. It takes a lot more time. But inshallah, it's going to be a lot more beneficial for the ummah and to see what I'm committed to doing with my life. Inshallah. If you are an entrepreneur with a product or service for the Muslim market, let's get in touch. We are Halal.ad, a marketing agency and ad network for the ever-growing Muslim market. We can help you reach millions of Muslims to grow your business. Visit www.halal.ad for a 30-minute free consultation. Now back to the show. I mean, this thing... um... You know, I was looking at um, your site. One of the courses that really piqued my interest. I just want to pick your brain about this. So it is. I think it's the, sure. the it's the one uh, where you studied the course about the golden age of Islam, right? You mm-hmm. you yes. went back study and and the, all this uh, hilafas and the, the periods of the you know sultans and and I think until from the from the very beginning until the. Usmani is right, isn't it? Like, yes, like can, 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 you mm-hmm. tell, can you tell us? I mean, I'm personally curious about this. I just this has been one of one of my questions. Like, what happened there? You know, there was the golden age. What happened then? And I just want to know. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if you can, sure. if you can, of course. If if not, then 
That's of course, of course. This is one of my favorite topics to speak about. <laughs> so as I said, one of my goals in starting Islamic self-help was to revive in the Ummah this idea. I believe we can have another golden age mm-hmm. if we have the same qualities that the Muslims of the past had. Mm-hmm. So to understand this, uh, we go back to the teachings of Ibn Khaldun. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with Ibn Khaldun. Yes, heard about Ibn Khaldun. Yeah. yeah, so Ibn Khaldun was the great historian. historian one yes. of the, what he did, yes, he came up with a principle which now all historians agree with. That principle was that every community and empire goes through Cycles. rise and fall, yes, yes, right? Yes. They go through the cycle. So if you look at the Umayyads, they had the growth period, the golden age, the decline, end. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Abbasids, same things with the Ottomans. So now we are in that transition period where somebody else is going to rise. Mm-hmm. And then inshallah, that somebody else is going to experience a golden age. Mm-hmm. And then after that, inshallah, you know, if, if depending on how much since how sincere they were and how uh, good work they were doing, the golden age can last a long time. Mm-hmm. So this is the thing, you know, it's called Baraka, mm-hmm. right? So for example, when you look at some of the empires that were founded on the wrong reasons, this entire cycle took place in 50 years or in 90 years. Mm-hmm. But those empires that were founded for the sake of Allah, like the Abbasids and the Ottomans, they lasted 600 years. Yes, the yes. golden ages were like 200 years. Right. Why? Because Allah put that baraka because they did it for the right reasons. Mm. Right? Now, I believe, you know, a lot of people have this doom and gloom mentality that the world's going to end and, you know, <laughs> there's nothing we can do about it. The world's ending in the next 20 years. I don't believe that. I believe, listen, if the world's going to end, it's going to end. Exactly. We don't know. We, for we, all we know, this world control. could go on another 500 years. It could go on another 1,000 years. It can go on another 10 years. We don't know. So, with us not knowing, we should be preparing for the next golden age. Yes. How do we do that? Well, first, let's study the previous golden ages. So, I put together this comprehensive course. This is really one of the most comprehensive courses I've ever put together because not only do I discuss the accomplishments and the history, I extract lessons from every single aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I extract lessons from everything, from the discovery of coffee to the founding of founding of madrasas to the discovery of algebra. For everything, I discuss it from a perspective of what can we learn from it. Why? And at the very end of the course, I have a section on what can we do to maybe start a new golden age, right? to, re, to 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 cause the next rise, right? What we to brainstorm ideas because I have a very optimistic uh, understanding of this world. I believe that we should be always have the best thoughts about Allah, the best thoughts about this ummah, and believe that we can move forward. Mm-hmm. If you look at the way history works, the decline happened, the end of an empire happened, the dark ages are happening now, what comes next is the rise of a new empire. Mm-hmm. So what are we doing to, to, to be a part of that? You know, What are we doing to make sure that we have the same ideas and motivation that the early Muslims had? Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm trying to revive amongst people. That for example... Uh, the concept of ihsan. Yes, ihsan means to do everything to the best of your ability. Excellent. This is missing in the ummah today. This is missing. If we revive this, you know, we'll be the best doctors, the best lawyers, the best accountants, the best engineers, the best architects, the best scholars, the best of everything. I and mean, when we are the best of everything, we get another golden age. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where the golden age comes from, when we are the best in every field. So I'm hoping that through these courses, through these books, through these lectures, we, I can spark that in the minds of people. Sure. And maybe one of the people who I spark this in the mind of, inshallah, Allah will cause, you know, the next empire to rise from those people, inshallah. Inshallah. Sounds good. That's very, very interesting. So you the analysis of the Ibn Khaldun and, and cycler patterns of the of the dynasties and all these things. Yeah, I mean the things will come and go. I agree. Agree. I, I really admire your very positive uh, you know, output to the world. And then, and and you know, majority of people, as you said, they think think of gloom. I think in in this topic, 
I recently read a book. It's not like probably a year or so. I, I if you haven't, I really suggest you to read as well. I think it's called Factfulness. Sure. By Hans Rosling, I guess. Have you have you heard about this called Factfulness? Uh, uh no, I don't think I heard about yeah. it. Yeah. No. So this guy is is is, is from uh, Sweden, right? So he used to be doctor, okay. but then he turns to activist. So I mean, one of the things he likes, like similar like you, like you do, is that he doesn't look at the the tree, but look at the forest, right? The, how things are being improving, mm -hmm. even though because what we are seeing is that we are seeing every day here and then what we see we see on TV what's happening, bad things, right? There's, there's this is one someone drops yes. someone that's broadcast everybody, but but humanity, you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, as you said, it's, it's the, the world is is run by compassion, right? The world is a lo mm -hmm. lots of good people, things good happening, but instead somehow the the, the human mind it kind of focus on the bad things right it's like a thing but in reality if you look at it it's just the way the, the way we exist right now right here is is a miracle nothing else right just in this so much mm -hmm. imbalance we stand if you look at the universe and, and especially so many things happen to us is you me, and me and we are speaking and all the stuff human development all the stuff if you look at the proper proper way the world kind of advances, you know, in its own way, I guess, in, mm -hmm. in a bigger, bigger scale. Um, so having said that, I think, um, like, can you, I mean, one of the things, as I said, I think this is one of the last, I guess, questions I'd like to ask you is that I, for, for example, for me, this was, this was, you know, each of us is different, I guess, for me, one of the challenges was that, have, um, that I was trying to kind of find my own way, or like, calling let's pull it this way right meaning of life whatever it is mm -hmm. so i mean i believe that our listeners we might be in a similar situation right but in your case well as i said what's really interesting is that you are the person like doing the hard work for the last five years you've been day day night now you are the halfway mark alhamdulillah i really respect you may allah increase you help you reach that one so Amen. what's your advice Amen. what's your advice for those people who are on the fence who who really want to do but who hasn't really get out of their comfort zone who are waiting what would you say like like if the, what i'm saying is not everybody's like that right but but those people let's say they want to do something else they want to do they wanted to live live their life with meaning, right? In, in another sense, but they are mm -hmm. on the fence. Like you are in that transition, you are in the middle, right? Maybe you are fully there, but you are in the middle. Like out of your experience, what would you advise? What would you advise to, uh, to those that who are on the fence and trying to, should I do it or not? Is it worth or not? Is, can I make it or not? Like, what would you say from your experience? Okay, so my advice would be to do what I'm doing, which is start something on the side. I don't jump all in at once, mm. you know. So, for example, you don't know how to swim, don't jump in the in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Rather, start tipping your toes. <laughs> Dip your toes in it and start learning how to swim, you know. So, I would say, firstly, find what 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 you want to do, mm -hmm. right? If you if you if, for those people who still don't know what they want to do, you know, find what that is. Uh, for me, I already know what I want to do, and I'm committed to doing it. If you, you don't, goal. you need to figure it out. Yeah, you have a clear goal. Yeah, not really a career goal. I would say more. What do you want to to leave behind when you die to benefit this world? The legacy. That's yeah. really what I think you should focus on. Yeah, something that's going to benefit this world long after you have passed away, right? Mm -hmm. If you can figure out what that is, now you need to find a way to work that into your life. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to take years and years to do it. Sometimes it won't even get done in your life. For example, I'm writing a book right now. Inshallah, it will be launched in December. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called The Productivity Principles of Umar Ibn Abdul Aziz. Mm -hmm. Right now, Omar Ibn Abdul Aziz was the 
ruler of the Muslim world around 100 years after the time of the Prophet mm-hmm. And he only was the king for two years. Mm-hmm. But during those two years, he set certain projects into place. One of those projects was the compilation of hadith into books. So okay. what he did is he called the hadith scholars of his time and he told them, we need to start writing these hadith in books to keep them preserved until the end of time. Mm-hmm. He died a year later. Over a hundred years later, Bukhari and Muslim were written. So this project that he started, it reached fruition over a hundred years later. And we continue to benefit from it today. And inshallah, he continues to get the reward for it today. Right? So this is something he left behind for the Ummah. He started something even though it did not get complete in his lifetime. But because it was started with the right intention, it was beneficial for the Ummah, it was eventually completed and it continues to benefit us today. So my advice to people, number one, find something that's not about money. It's not about you. It's not about your fame. It's not about your ego. Mm. It's about Allah. It's about making this world a better place. It's about leaving behind something that benefits. And when you find that, you will find within you the excitement, the motivation and the drive to take the first step, mm-hmm. right? And when you take one step towards Allah, then you know the hadith what happens after that, right? Yes. That Allah is the one who will just keep bringing you forward. Now, once you have that motivation, now start it slowly on the side, right? And make a life plan. Make a plan. Okay, I'm starting this. How much do I need to be making from this to be able to transition to, into it full-time? How many years do I need to work on it to get there? Make your plan. And obviously, the plan's going to go up and down. It's not Nothing's ever going to go 100% according to plan, mm-hmm. right? My hope was I published my first time management book in 2014. I sell 100,000 copies and I can do this full time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's 2019. I'm still nowhere near that goal. But Alhamdulillah, because I made that first step, I'm at a point today where I'm actually living a good life, Alhamdulillah, and I'm halfway there. I'm halfway towards my goal five years later. But you did so start, things are not going to go 100% according to plan. You your journeys, right? So you learn things. You, you, yes. That's, that's the key, isn't it? You're, you're halfway there. Yes, the key is to keep trying and keep learning from your mistakes. That's really key to it. You know, I always tell people you need to be like a scientist, mm-hmm. continuously experimenting. And don't let the, the experiments that go wrong stop you. You need to be like, a, uh, what's his name? Th- Thomas Edison, when he invited, mm-hmm. <laughs> invented the, the light bulb, you mm-hmm. know, tried and tried and tried a Four thousand different times. combinations exactly. until something worked. Exactly. Yes. So that's what you've got to do. Whatever the idea is, if you love it, if it's something you really want to do with your life, if it's the direction you really want to go in with your life, you've just got to be like a mad scientist and keep, keep trying until you find something that works. That is actually for us also our tradition because, I mean, that's one of the things, I don't know, uh, maybe you already know. Uh, the, do, you, do you know the, the person who invented the scientific method? Have you read about this? Yes. It's about the, uh, Ibn, Ibn, Haytham. Haytham. Ibn Haytham. Yeah, that's, that's our yes. scholar, right? Yes. It's a Muslim guy. That yes, scholar, that's true. They, they invented mm-hmm. this, but we don't, we don't take this credit, right? As you said. <laughs> If, I mean, yes, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I learned so much. I learned so much. Uh, thank you for your time. Is there anything you would of like to? The pleasure. <laughs> tell me. Tell me this. Is there any question I should have asked? Maybe I haven't asked. Uh, we are in the middle of, as you can see, we are just in the process of launching this, this inshallah, this podcast, and that's quite new mm-hmm. for me as well. I'm learning a lot of things. You know, it will not be perfect. I know, but I'm going to launch it anyway uh, because I believe people will benefit, and that's the key, right? And the, it's not about being perfect, but your intention and trying. So it's possible that you know I may have asked another mm-hmm. some question. Maybe you would like to convey and and if that is so please um go ahead and, and you know okay how about the question that i think i, I would have asked myself <laughs> yes, interviews like this would have been go ahead. Uh, something like uh what's the biggest mistakes you made on this entrepreneurial journey Absolutely. what's the biggest mistakes i made on this mm-hmm. journey i think that's yes. probably the most important thing to talk about yes please 
Yeah. So my biggest mistakes when it comes to um, this journey, well, number one was I I was hasty in the beginning, right? In 2014, I thought it was something I could accomplish in one year. And it took me a while to realize that this is a 10-year goal, not a one-year goal, mm-hmm. right? So then my first advice to people is don't be hasty, right? The Prophet Muhammad stated that hastiness is from shaitan, mm-hmm. right? So set long-term goals. Nothing worth doing gets done overnight. Anything worth doing is going to take a long time. The second big mistake which I made early on it was not listening to the advice of people who are already in the field, mm-hmm. right? So when I published my first book, People told me, make online courses, do mm-hmm. freelance writing, do YouTube videos. And I didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And I only started those things two, three, or four years later. Alhamdulillah, all of those things have helped to accelerate my path towards my goal. Mm-hmm. If I had listened to them on day one, I may have, I may be 75% towards my goal yeah. right now, right? I may be even further. But because I wasn't listening to people in the beginning, uh, I was just wanting to do things my uh, I took a lot longer if I actually listen to them straight away. So my my advice then to others is if you're getting into any field for the first time, find people who are successful in that field. Mm-hmm. Take one or two of them on as a mentor and actually mm-hmm. listen to their advice because mm-hmm. it's good advice, right? So like you saw this online course I put together on the Islamic Golden Ages. If I hadn't listened to people's advice to start making online courses, that course wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, that course is benefiting over 100 people around the world. You know, so alhamdulillah, I listened to people and I went ahead and made the course. That is the key. Uh, so, you know, that's just, even though you that's didn't, just it, really it. We need to listen. That, so, I mean, that's the key, right? It's not even though you, didn't, you haven't listened, right, in the beginning, but you did end up listening eventually. But you did take a lesson. Yeah, eventually I did. I'm like, okay, hold on. Five, six, seven people are telling me the same thing. Mm-hmm. And all of them are successful in this field. Maybe there's something to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should give it a try, right? The third thing, which I would say was a big mistake I made early on, was that I underestimated my own self, right? And because of that, I delayed way too long. And I think many of us have this problem. We underestimate our own abilities. We have low Mm self-confidence. So if you met me when I was 23 or 24 and told me, you know, to go into business, my exact words back then were, I hate business. I'm not a businessman. I'm never doing business. Yeah. That's exactly what my thoughts yeah, were. That, that's why I was asking uh, anybody you, who made me from, back then, That's, that's why I was asking that. you from that. I mean, people, yeah. I mean, that's why I was saying that's crazy. So what did well, happen? What did happen? What changed? So what happened, what changed really was my confidence, right? Honestly, those thoughts where they came from was low self-confidence. I didn't think I had it in me to do this. I didn't think I had the capabilities to do all of this. I had very low self-confidence in my early 20s. And that's why one of the first books I wrote and published is my book on an Islamic guide to self-confidence. That was basically a set of notes I wrote to myself, like a journal I wrote to myself to build my own confidence. Right, And so it ended up being a 200-page book on self-confidence from an Islamic perspective. By the time I was done writing it, my confidence was on a level where I said, okay, I can do this. I can do online business. I can write books. I can make online courses. And so that book actually benefited me, alhamdulillah. And yeah. I've met hundreds of people around the world who also benefited from it as well. Uh, so that's really right to me. That's my favorite book that I've written because it actually changed my own life. Really, I didn't know it back then, but I had very low self-confidence. And so many other people may have the same problem today. They're not starting because their confidence is low. They don't trust themselves. They don't trust their ideas. They don't think they have what it takes. And so I would advise those people that they need to do something to build their confidence. Because once you build your confidence, inshallah, everything else gets easier after that. Yes. It's it's also confidence also 
build over time, isn't it? You have to do a small thing, you have to achieve it, it builds a little bit, then you do that little bit bigger thing. It's not like you change everything right away, isn't it? It just takes time, it just takes action over, over time. That's true. Like, for example, I'm currently writing a, uh, I just finished writing a 350-page book. And the way I did it was I literally wrote three pages a day. That's all. Wow. I just sat down every day for one hour writing three pages, and alhamdulillah, it's 350 pages now. And I did it in four months. Right? Sure. It took just four months to do it. So, sure. you know, this you know, uh, this really shows you that when you when you commit to the long term, a little bit of action every day piles up in the long term. Yes. And a lot of people underestimate the value of a little bit of work every day. It yeah. goes a long, long way. I see. I see. That's very insightful. Uh, Brother Ismail, thank you very much for your time. I really, I really enjoyed this talk. Please tell us, the listeners, where they can find more about you if you want to follow up some of your works or your courses or your websites. That would be very helpful. Sure. So, Alhamdulillah, my website is uh, islamicselfhelp.com and I'm also up uh, active on almost every social media channel. So if you search for my name on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, I'm Alhamdulillah, I'm active on all those different channels. Uh, and yeah, uh, the main place is islamicselfhelp.com. Mm -hmm. That's where my books are, my online courses, my blog posts, my latest videos, everything's there, inshallah. Sounds good. Then uh, let's catch up, uh, let's catch up, uh, you know, sometime soon, hopefully... I mean, Inshallah. what I really watch from the bottom, well, from the bottom of my heart for you is that may Allah make it happen, your dream come true, much, much faster than five Amin. years. Amin. Let's get you on the show again Amin. and we can, Inshallah, celebrate that moment, okay? Amin. Inshallah, Inshallah, it'll happen soon. That's Amin. good. <laughs> by, this, I, by this, we will conclude the show. All that, all the ones out there will say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Dear listener, Based on many requests from our listeners, we are launching a Muslims on Fire Academy. It's for those who want to do more than just listening. It's for those who not only want to be inspired, but to be one of the Muslims on Fire as well. It's for those who want to discover their purpose in life, follow their dreams, and live in prosperity. If this is you, join us for a journey of a lifetime. The introduction course is free. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. Learn more at academy.muslimsonfire.com. For show notes and questions for episodes, please visit www.muslimsonfire.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like our show, please rate, share with friends, and leave a review. With your help, it will enable us to reach more people and change their lives for the better. Stay tuned. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum. <laughs>